On today's episode, we talk about the foundation of every great deck, the foundation. Let's talk footing options. Welcome back, everyone, to episode seven of the Ultimate Deck Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Chapman, here today, back with Wade Laurent, the co-owner of the Ultimate Deck Shop. How's it going today, Wade? Pretty good. Yeah. Good. Back from the holidays. Had a little bit too much food, for sure, but... Yeah, I don't know that we're going to burn off enough calories sitting here talking, but we'll do our best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Talk to our faces hurt and see yeah. what happens. Uh, we're going to shift back to more of an informational style for this week's podcast and get away from the interviews. The interview with Mark from Infinite Decks last week was a great one, though, in my opinion. Yeah, it was a good one for sure, right? Mark's a, a great interview, good guy, got lots of uh, input into the industry, you know, doing different like curves and trends and bends that have gone on for years and it's fun to find out how long ago he started doing that and where he's going now right yeah he's definitely one of the leading edge builders for sure so it's a he's a great follow if you aren't following him on instagram yet also if you're not following us on instagram make sure you do that at the ultimate deck shop is our main account so if you have any questions comments or feedback please hit us up through a dm on that platform today's episode is all about the foundation beneath your deck, the most important part of the entire deck, the most overlooked but important part of a deck. Yeah, it's hard to do your foundation twice, right? Yeah. When you do a, you do the boards on top, that's easy enough. You can put some cedar down, do that for five years, pull it up, slap a little G-tape on, and then put down composite decking, if you will, and then you're good to go. But the foundation, you only get one crack at that. That's right. It's, uh, if you... <laughs> The results aren't good if you don't put in a good foundation. You you choose a bad decking product, whatever. That's yeah. fixable, right? That's yeah. a, that hurts the pocketbook a little bit. You put in a bad foundation, that hurts the pocketbook big time, a lot. And yeah. like, there's no there's no doubt about it. Every once in a while, you see a story about a deck collapse or something because it wasn't properly fastened or wasn't sitting on the proper foundation. We're probably not going to get too much into the ledger attachment today. That's probably a story for a another time but what we're going to talk about today is the footings basically that a deck sits upon and so there's a lot of different options out there a lot of them are regional some are more traditional some are newer there's just a lot of stuff out there if you google it and so we're going to kind of go through some of those options and i guess provide a little bit of insight into what they are whether we think they're good maybe and uh try to just kind of help people choose between the different options that are out there. So one thing I do want to preface this with is we are not engineers and we only know what the soil and the climate's like in our market here. So for all of these, if I can just kind of put a a bit of a footnote here for all of these options, please make sure you do your own research as to what's acceptable by code in your area for your frost depths, your soil types, your whatever. We can't tell you what different, you know, every type of footing is going to support load-wise, et cetera, because it all depends on soil conditions. And, you know, some places have to worry about earthquakes. Others have to worry about frost. Others have to worry about wind. And some don't have to worry about any of it. Amount of rain too, right? We don't, you know, some climates are dry, some are wet. So here we have for sure the worst soil in the world. We're clay base, right? And so moisture is a factor for us, right? It changes depending on how much moisture and how dry. So uh, all with a grain of salt, people will put in 
our info and what we think works for here and for your area that might be totally different um yeah. shoot us a message we the more we know the more we can share right so yep so ig guys can they hear us we have a instagram live thing this is kind of something we've been doing for the last couple episodes now um to kind of have an instagram live happening while we are doing the podcast recording the podcast so we've got that again here today um so if you're on the instagram live and you have any questions about what we're talking about ask them in the live because we're going to try to address those on the podcast and so you can listen back later and you can be super excited and proud that your question made it to to the podcast this super (laughs) super well-known podcast (laughs) so for those of you watching on uh instagram please feel free to ask questions and we'll try to address those now let's get started here i guess first uh, we're going to kind of the way i've organized these is kind of well i think from (laughs) worst option to best option and i hope that nobody on this list from a manufacturer's standpoint uh, takes exception to that but just from the and the cost pretty much goes up in the same direction and so that's why there's cheaper options but we're going to go from something that would be in many districts not allowed to something that you know to the traditional concrete piles and whatever on the end that we know work they're the you know the steadfast tried true, option tried right? and true options in the yep. industry they work everywhere they're approved everywhere etc cetera, etc cetera. Yep. but the first category we're going to start with is what I'm going to call the on-grade uh, category, which is any, and I'm I'm air quoting right now, and you can't see that in the podcast, but some can a footing, yeah, that sits on top of the ground, and so I don't think this is super common in many markets, but I know it is right here where we are in Regina, Saskatchewan. I know in Manitoba, you know, in it, I I don't know why it seems like where the frost is really deep and piles are expensive, these cheap alternatives have popped up, and they're not the greatest option they have a lot of drawbacks but they're cheap and that's why they exist so what these are is any option that would sit you don't dig a hole you just sit a block on top of the ground i've heard these referred to as cottage blocks from some people and so it's just a concrete casted pier of sorts that sits on top of the ground and a post for the deck sits in this cast pier and now there's a variety of products that have come out um, again, more regional that allow you some adjustability on that post. So when the frost heave sets in, you can get out there with a wrench. Nobody does, but you can get out there with a wrench and adjust the height of your deck if it ever gets out of level or to account for the frost heave and settling. And so those options are things, you know, Pilex is a well-known brand of deck and fence accessories that makes an adjustable saddle for these things. Um, locally, we have one called GH Leveler. Uh, again, locally, there's a Cindercrete um, concrete company that makes adjustable supports. These are only good because they cost $40 all in per pile, right? I also like them because, so sort of my theory behind it is that if your deck is going to move because you're frost, so where we are, frost is six feet deep. You know, when, it, when it's really cold, if we get a winter with very little snow, lots of uh, cold temperatures, that frost can definitely dip down six feet plus, right? Uh, so rather than trying to fight that frost, you just accept it. This is what's happening. The frost is low. My deck will move. That's fine. We can set up, you know, some sort of structural support that has some adjustment in it. And all of these do, right? They all have a little bit of adjustment so that if your deck does go way out of whack, you can tweak that, right? Um, Nobody's going to go out and 
check their deck in the middle of winter and be like, oh, my deck dropped half an inch. It's minus 15. Let's give that a quick tweak. Nobody's on the deck, right? So from summer to summer, it probably remains similar, but um, you do have an inexpensive way to put your deck together that has some adjustment if it does move, right? So I, I, I don't know if I, if I love them. I do see their purpose and, and I don't hate them. I can tell you that for sure. So I guess if we were to look at these things from a pros and cons perspective, which I think we should probably do for each of these, sure. pro, the pros being that these are inexpensive, yep. so they're cheap. Like I said, $40 all in for a slab, the pier, the adjustable little rod, yep. and they allow some adjustability. So if the deck ever, for whatever reason, becomes at a level, you get under the, there with the wrench and you can readjust the deck. Yep. Probably it ends there. Uh, ease of install. Ease of install. They're quick and nice. easy to put down, right? Because you're not yeah. digging a hole. You require no equipment. You just kind of dig out the grass, create a level footing, tap it down, put your pad down. It's simple. Nobody so, breaks a sweat putting a GH leveler on their deck. That's right. right? Yeah, it's, it's simple. Simple is not always the best solution, <laughs> but here it's a pro of this. It's a good the, probably the, the biggest con is that it's not dealing with the frost depth. It's just kind of working with it. It's not actually combating the frost depth. And probably the biggest thing is that there's no positive ground contact with this. There's nothing stopping wind lift from ripping that deck right off your house. You get a big gust of wind on a small deck and these things are just sitting on the ground. Well, it can lift if there's, you know, you don't want to put a roof structure on it. These types of apparatuses are actually code approved here in Saskatchewan under six feet if the sorry to a that's point. Regina there's are community, communities around here which won't allow them over two feet but in Saskatchewan they're an acceptable uh, footing option dip you know in different municipalities there's different rules as to how you can go but they're accepted pretty much everywhere up to a certain you know determined height certainly yeah so but again no wind lift they're not accepted ever if you're putting a roof or some sort of wind structure on the deck but Anyways, we've talked enough about these little yep. uh, on ground cheap ones, right? Pilex. They're cheap, but they're not Syndicate. a great solution. G8 lover. Another one, people, we get asked about this one quite a bit. And at first we refused to carry them in the store because we didn't believe that they were a legitimate good option. But we did start to carry them last year because we thought, you know what? There's some circumstances here where these can have a purpose. And that's the Pilex adjustable 50 inch foundation screws. Now what these are is they're essentially a mini version of a proper helical screw pile. Um, they're 50 inches long. I believe the pipe on them is only about an inch and a quarter, inch and a half wide, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, so not a huge pipe on them. They've only got a six inch helix at the bottom. Six, eight, I think. Is it eight? I think it's eight. Oh, I thought it was six, yeah. but okay. Either or not big enough. Not big <laughs> enough. You hand crank these things in with the two by four. You know, you put, throw a two by four in the saddle and you turn it, you walk around in a circle and you drive these things in by hand. We have a video of that, right? Do we have a video of that on Instagram? I think Trevor from Azek twisted one of those in. Yeah, if you dig back, boy, when was that? Probably October. In order for that uh, build love. The ultimate deck shop feed on Instagram. You can see how these things twist in. Yeah. Anyway, these things again are cheap. I believe they're what, about $30 Canadian for yeah. one. So they're cheap. Yeah. They're even cheaper than doing the adjustable ones. For sure. They crank into the ground, so they give you some frost, like they're getting about four feet down, so they're avoiding some of the frost depth. In some areas, they would avoid all of it. I mean, we're, we've probably got almost the deepest frost in the entire continent where we are, right? Yeah, Between us be and like, Manitoba. Yeah, us and Russia is what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's us and yeah. <laughs> Moscow. Yeah, you get any deeper, and it's just like it's permafrost, and it's just has a great stable foundation. <laughs> yeah, for exactly. Uh, but these things will crank down to a four foot depth or so. 
you build your deck on top of these. They provide. They claim they can provide up to five thousand pounds of load, but that's. I don't think you're ever going to hand crank to the proper torque to actually achieve 5,000 pounds. Therefore, I would knock a zero off that and trust things, things about up to about 500 pounds per. Yep. So where they can be fine, I guess, is for front landings, like a step that's off the front of the house. It's four by four. You know, it's a very light load on top of this thing. You're not going to be holding a party on there with 30 people. It's just an in and out passageway. That's why we started carrying because people in our market, we're going to buy them. So they might as well buy them from us. At least we can at least educate people when and when they should not be using them. Yeah, the box stores sell their fair share, right? So uh, that was it. That was the idea. We also like them quite a bit for doing a set of stairs. So if you're going to, rather than landing your stairs on a cement block or a cement pad, you know, we were notching a 4x4 into the back of the stringers or putting a 4x4 between the stringers and then, you know, structural screwing that in, landing the 4x4 into that Pilex um, adjustable screw pile. And yeah, that's a better, you know, it's a better option than a cement pad sitting on the ground. You can fix your stairs before the landscapers come. You don't have to worry about a callback. Your landscapers, you know, can build their stones up to it. You can still tweak your stairs if you have to. So yeah, that, was a, that was a good them, one. Float so. them independently of the ground. So that's, that's probably the main benefit. Yeah. They don't, in spite of the fact that they screw into the ground, they don't actually positively connect to the ground because the saddle just sits loosely over top of the pipe. So you could drill your own hole through there and put some sort of cotter pin or bolt whatever through there yeah. to create that positive connection. But out of the box, they don't have Yeah, that. right now it's just like a butterfly clip on it, right? Yeah. It's kind of a, a set screw that taps into the side of it. Well, and that's just for shipping. Once that comes off, you throw it away. In they go, right. they just sit on top. Yeah, yeah. So they're not great for that. So pros of these, again, I guess, are cost because they're $30 Canadian, yep. call it $20 US, they're cheap. They're probably, you know, they're good for light load applications, you know, even sheds or things like that. Yeah, in-ground um, connections, yeah, yeah. loosely, right? Good for a frost option if your frost depth is less than four feet. Yep. Um, so they'd be good in, in markets where that's the case. Cons. Adjustability. Adjustability. Yeah, they are adjustable as well. Just like the on-grade ones, they do have a nut on them and the threaded rod that you can adjust them afterwards too. So they have that same benefit. So probably they have all of the benefits of the adjustable ones, um, plus the fact that they do combat frost better than the on-grade piles. The cons being, once again, they're not, there's no wind lift protection unless you fabricate your own solution to that. Um, They're not a heavy load application whatsoever. I wouldn't use these things under a full size deck by any means um so they're just light i mean they're light duty that's yeah, and the if con. you're thinking about the weight that you're putting down right so you're you're gonna put your like the the weight of the deck onto a disc or a surface i think that that's eight inches around right versus a concrete pad that's 16 inches wide you know even though that you know going back to the last product we had that was a surface mount I believe you can disperse more weight on that 16-inch square cement or concrete pad versus what you can disperse on this 8-inch disc that's fairly thin, light gauge disc, right? So, yeah. yeah. But it's an option that people are going to see at the box stores, and so therefore we should teach them about it. We have it. We, have it, we have it here too, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so next up we're going to talk. Now the next three I would consider to be fairly niche they're not, you know, not widely distributed. Probably not all markets are going to have heard of them. Um, there seems to be a lot of these little products that are trying to be a cheaper option than a proper pile while still being somewhat effective. So 
Titan deck foot anchors are one option here. And what they are is a galvanized steel rod with a couple tiny little helixes on them. One's like three inches and one's like five inches or something at most. Yep. Um, they drive in with, they say, use like a impact wrench to drive these things in, to turn them in. I think they're about what four feet or three feet long. Yeah, so I was thinking three. I don't think they're. Yeah, four I don't think feet they're four either. Right? I think they're probably closer to three feet. They drive into the ground and then they drive through a, a spread plate. Yeah. So like a, I think it's probably about a one foot by one foot plate, and so that helps kind of like that. It's like spreads the weight of the deck or whatever's bearing on top of it. Because those little helixes themselves are more for the uplift, I think, more than anything. They're not meant to bear a ton of weight. Yep. And then on top of that sits a saddle for a 4x4 post or a 6x6 post that has elongated uh, bolt holes in it. So this one's weird how this works, right? It's cranking into the ground, meant to give you a positive connection to the ground. It does. It can't lift up and blow to the ground. That's what those little helixes are for. Um, but still allows for frost movement. So those holes, those bolt holes are meant to allow the post to heave and slide within the holes. So they, they, when the plate actually heaves up, the post can go with it, the deck can go with it. It's not damaging anything. It's like playing with the frost, but yet it's giving you a positive connection to the ground. So when you require that for whatever a shed or just because you don't want whatever you're building to blow away, it solves that problem that you do have with the other two we talked about. Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand perfectly how how those bolt holes work. I believe if I was building a deck, that thing would be connected to the ground right tight. And then my post would probably sit at the bottom of that saddle. So um, I would have to spend a little bit more time with that. Like, you know, I haven't used one. I haven't installed a deck on one of those. Um, I see it. The theory makes sense to me. There's just like a couple of the finer points that I would need a little more info on. Right. So, so pros of that one are again ease of install. Assuming you have an impact wrench, ease yeah, of install. It's a, and it was supposed to be like a three eighths impact, right, or half inch, half inch impact. Yeah, right. They wanted you using. So yeah, this is not this is not your impact driver that you have out of your Ryobi toolkit. This is a yeah. mechanics auto, automotive impact wrench yeah. for driving lug nuts. Is essentially over to snap on tools to pick yourself up a yeah. new tool. Yeah, that's right. right. So. So that was a good option. I guess it's a part the pros. It gives a positive connection to the ground. Um, pros, I guess it has a bit of a spread footing on it there to just spread some of the weight out. Um, ease of install. Uh, it works with the frost. So the, the that's a pro, I guess. Pro and con. It's going to move, but it's meant to move. Yeah. Uh, cost again. I don't know. I don't recall what the cost was it. So or, I thought they were coming in around... Like you would retail those around the seventy dollars is what I thought they were. Okay, you know, the fifth, somewhere between fifty-five to seventy-five in there is so a little bit more than the options we've talked about, but still well under the cost yeah. of a pile here. If you're in California, you only need one foot deep of concrete. We're already probably talking <laughs> like we're already more expensive than a concrete pile, likely. Right? Correct. Yeah. For here, there's still a lower cost option. The drawbacks, of course, again, is that they're not. <laughs> They're, I don't want to call them a gimmick, but they're they're kind of they're kind of a gimmicky solution they to doing gimmicky. a pile, right? They're right. they're a cheaper alternative, but they're at least they're making an effort to address some of the problems with other cheap piles and that they have the positive connection and everything else. Yeah. Again, another drawback is that they're engineered. They are engineered, but you're still probably going to get a little pushback from your from your permit department because they're unknown. So you may have a little bit more trouble getting those through and approved. 
uh, in some areas. Yeah, and those Titan guys are great, right? Like we've talked to the Titan guys before. So if great you, company, if you yeah. have any questions, like they're available on Instagram, right? Like Titan uh, Titan Building Products has an account. So yeah, Canadian company, good uh, Canadian company, great company. They, and they have other great products in their lineup too. So it's not just they don't just do these things. Yeah, it's one sure. of many many items that they have, and they're all good, well thought out products. Another one that's comparable or similar to that is the OzDeck from OzCo. So OzCo makes all those fancy structural brackets for pergolas and fences and decks and whatever else. Is it pergolas or is it pergola? Oh boy. Hey, Is this a US Canadian thing I too? I don't know. I'm not sure. Who says pergola? A lot of cedar people guys. say pergola. It seems like all the cedar uh, guys are Cedar guys it. are weird. Yeah. I like it's pergola all day long in my opinion. Too pergola, much oil. That sounds, that sounds like, that's like gondola? Gondola? You wouldn't say gondola. Gondola. It's like gondola. I Anyway, <laughs> Osco's got an option. It's basically a giant spike that hammers in the ground with a with a sledgehammer with a jackhammer. Uh, I suppose you could use a sledgehammer with a jackhammer. Ideally, pounds in, gives you a post saddle. I I don't know what. It also has the spread footing, spread plate, just like the Titan one does to help spread that weight. And thank God because the thing's shaped like a giant spear. So like you put weight on the thing, it's going to just keep piercing into the ground. But the plate supposedly is supposed to stop that. Again, I don't know cost. I would guess it's probably around that seventy to one hundred dollar mark again for these. Um, I know that we saw some pricing on that, but I never, like, I didn't retain that info because I knew that we weren't doing that. You yeah. know what I mean? I've, we have it. It's available. If somebody really wants to see a price on that, we can get it for you. But yeah. So deck. So I think probably the same pros and cons as the Titan, like ease of install. You need the jackhammer, which is something not like that's probably a tool rental for most people. So that adds a little bit of, um, I guess, non-convenience, inconvenience. Yeah, inconvenience would be the word for sure. Yeah, to the install. So I mean, I guess again, lower cost. You know, somewhat ease of install. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of the same category as that. Uh, is there any adjustability on that? Do you know? I don't. I don't believe so. I think it sits purely in a saddle. I would have to dig into that a little bit more. I don't know, but I don't believe there is. So, anyways, these are these are products that are are trying to get out there. Not everybody's going to find these everywhere. They're not the perfect solution, but they're a solution. So. Yeah, and they're addressing some of the issues that we had with the stuff at the start, right? Some of our first, um, some of the, the very first items we talked about, these are for sure addressing that, right? Yep. Maybe it doesn't have a great wind lift, but it certainly would stop any lateral movement that you might get with your concrete pads, right? So if somebody hits a post, like that's easy enough to, to move that over. For sure, yeah. But, yeah, all of these are better than just the on-ground connection for the fact that they've got some stability laterally. I think so, yeah. Yeah, so for sure. Um, the next one we're gonna talk about, I do, um, which way should we look, which way should we do these? I'm gonna, let's go with Diamond Pier next. And so these Diamond Pier footings, I feel like these actually are probably a more legitimate option in some markets. And so if you haven't seen a Diamond Pier, keep your eye out. They're usually at the shows, right? The Deck Expos, the IBS, I think. I don't recall if they're there, but they're usually at these these shows. And what the Diamond Pier is, is a, uh, I would say kind of like a pyramid-shaped block, a rounded edge pyramid-shaped block that sits upside down. So the pyramid, the point of the pyramid is facing down. It's got four guides on it, like pipe guides on all four sides, or sorry, one on four sides. And essentially you dig a small pit in the ground, just kind of seat this thing into the ground just so it doesn't rock around, whatever. And then you put, I believe they're four or 60 inch pins 
and I should have done more research to figure out how wide these pins were, but they're steel pins that you drop into those guides. You hammer them in with a jackhammer. With a, Diagonally. With a, yep. They right. go in on like a, I don't know if it's a 45 degree angle, but pretty close, like, yeah. a, like at an angle into the ground, and they, and they crisscross down below. So they... Boy, this would be easier to do on video, but they shoot in, like, on one side it drives in at an angle, the other side drives in at an angle, so those ones crisscross. Then you do the other two sides, and they crisscross. So what, it's creating this, like, mishmash of crisscrossed pins beneath the footing, which prevent it from going up or down, because the pins aren't, you know, riding in the same plane. Yeah. So the no, there's no good chance that this thing's going to lift out of the ground, because the pins are all shot in on an angles and they're not going to sink this concrete block itself provides like some bearing weight and the pins are all driven on angles describe it as toenailed right so this thing is like toenailed across from the four sides yeah for a carpenter listening to this that's probably the easiest way to say it that's it thing is toenailed into the ground with big steel rods yeah five feet long right i think i think that's what they are i think they're 60 inches and i believe so so. again you'll have to check that shoot us Um, a message if we're wrong yeah and so the diamond pier is good if you've got a frost depth of less than 48 inches so when i first saw these things i believe it was four years ago at a deck expo trade show i walked up to the booth and i'd seen them in a magazine before and so i was like oh great i'm gonna go talk to these guys because these seem awesome for our our area here right this was when you were in chicago i remember yeah. you coming back and telling me about these things this. are awesome yeah i was so excited when i went up to them and they're like yeah these are the best things since sliced bread they're telling me all about it how they work and i was like yeah i've seen them in your magazines i watched some videos it's awesome and they're like it'll work you're like anywhere i was like anywhere like what's up to what frost depth they're like 48 inches i'm like oh shoot they won't work where we are he's like well, where, where where are you that four foot frost depth <laughs> won't work and i was like we're in saskatchewan it's like six feet he's like holy smokes no not ideal for your area so if you're, you know, if you're basically in the States, you're probably okay using them in most markets in the U.S. Because your frost depth is probably not going to get much deeper than, than uh, aside from Alaska, <laughs> much right. deeper than four feet, right? Um, so they can be a good option for that. I know that on their website, they've got a great video of how it installs and they use them on bridges and like they're very stable laterally, et cetera, et cetera. They install easy again if you have a jackhammer, but the great thing about them is that you're building on them right away, which you are with actually all of these we've talked about so far, uh, but you drive them in and they're, they're not going anywhere. Yep. So. Yeah, I like it. I, I wonder if you could get a longer rod, if that would work and then... How does that work? Right now you're on a ladder, but anyways, that's, if that's you're, what like, I wanted if you're to. into the ground, who knows? But that's what anyways. I wondered too. And I, I always wondered, also wondered, like, so they say they're good for resisting frost depth, but what's so what's the ground directly under the pier doing then? Are these things being held so strong that it's like preventing it from lifting? I don't, I don't know. It's almost like we should just add on to the decks that we have, right? Like you did yours last year. I did mine a few years ago, but I could maybe do like a, a seven tier deck. Yeah. An off cast <laughs> of it. Right. And we could do them on all these different, uh, supports. Yeah, exactly. Report back. So the next one I'm going to talk about, I think this is fairly regional as well. I, I just did a bit of research before this and it, it sounds like it's a Rhode Island product. So the distribution is probably in and around the Rhode Island area. I don't know how far that reaches, but it's a product called a ready footing and it's, it's essentially a traditional concrete pile in how it works. So you dig out a hole and you drop this ready footing into the hole. The ready footing itself is a, is a, in some areas on their website, it says it's, it's PVC and others it's HDPE, but regardless, it's a strong plastic of some sort cylinder that sits in a, a padded footing, like a wider kind of spread footing at the bottom. 
and has a cap that goes over top of it that the post sits into. So they claim it's stronger than concrete, 8,000 pound load, um, as long as you get below your frost, etc. Again, that's I'm sure determined by your soil types as well. But just wanted to touch on that one real quick because it was an option out there that maybe some people are familiar with. Um, it seems like it could be kind of cool. It cuts with a saw, so you just dig your hole and you drop this footing in and it's the, their whole claim is like it's stronger than concrete and much easier to install. You're not worrying about hauling around bags of concrete, mixing up concrete, etc. Get it in the hole, backfill it, and you're building on it right away. So it's got a few advantages over concrete, but works very similarly to a concrete pile. Yeah, and I think that it sort of the theory behind it makes sense to me, right? You're just loading straight down yep. onto it. And so as long as the pipe itself is heavy walled and, you know, fairly strong and you pack dirt around it, you pack, you know, a little bit of gravel or whatever, and then some actual clay or whatever your soil condition is around that pipe. There's no reason that that pipe should blow out on the sides. Yep. Right? So you get your base, it's 12 inches around, your pipe is seven, right? Six inches. It's a fairly strong should be strong. Yeah. So. so no experience with it, but if you Google deck footings like I did, that one's going to come up on page one. So therefore yeah. we felt like we should address it. Uh, now the last two remaining are more, these are more traditional. These are, you're going to hear about these in every market, especially the next one, which we're talking about, which is just a traditional concrete footing, concrete pile. And so this is the tried and true. This is the approved in every market by your building permits. This is you know, no pushback from engineers. No pushback. Right? They, everybody, they know it. That's right. The only thing that changes here are how deep these things need to be from market to market. Yep. And that's almost entirely determined by frost depth, maybe soil conditions. You know, if you've got loose soil in the first three feet, they might want you to go deeper. Anyway, check with your building permit yeah. office. I've for heard that. lots of people that put concrete piles in and they'll talk about how they, you know, our frost line is four feet give or take, right? So we're going to do a pile. We're going to dig a pile and we'll put it in. We'll go six. Yeah. And so I have never really liked that. I think if your frost line is four, your pile should be nine. Yeah. Right? Because it's, yeah. a, it's a friction-based system. And yeah. so if your frost goes down and pulls on the top four feet, you need more than that holding it in. Yep. Uh, I think that's probably one of the biggest errors that I have seen when people do a concrete pile they get just below the frost line. They're they're thinking they're good. They're like, that's it. I did it. I dug a six foot hole, which is a ton of work. Like I would never dig a six foot hole. Yeah. Right. So you only for my worst enemies. What? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you do this, you know, you do your six foot hole and then in the concrete goes and and then in the wintertime, somebody comes back and they're like, man, my deck is moving. It's all over the place. What's happening? I did a concrete pile. How deep is your pile? Six feet. Okay. Yep. You could have done a pad and pier on the top. But. I think of all the options we have written on this list here, this is likely the one that's most commonly improperly installed. I, yeah. So, because you're right. A lot of people think like, oh, you just oh, dig a hole. Four feet's fine. I think most people think about concrete piles as if they're doing, they're worrying mostly about the weight down. Yeah. Right? And, they, and they're not thinking about the heave or the weight up. And for those who really don't know, they're just thinking like, I'm supposed to have something hard to put my deck on. Yeah. It just needs to be a hard surface on the, you know. Solid that I can land yeah. material on. So to your point, the way concrete piles work is the friction base. Like Wade said, this, how deep they have to go is predominantly determined by your frost depth. So this is the one that changes the most from market to market here in Regina, Saskatchewan, where our frost depth is six to seven feet. These things need to be like at least 14 feet deep. And the home builders here actually do them on average 18 feet deep below the houses. So they're boring out 18 foot deep holes 
and filling it with concrete. At least 12 inches around, yep. right? The diameter is 12. Yep. So here comes a con. What do you do with all that material? Yeah. Especially right. here where it's clay. You can't shovel it by nope. hand. No, nope. You need machinery for that. So, yeah, you know, in a market, you know, if you're in, I know, I think the guys in California that I watched on Instagram, I think they have to do them like one foot deep. <laughs> yeah. Like it just doesn't freeze there. You're not, and you've got a lot of rocky soil beneath. The soil is very stable. So therefore you do basically just need a solid flat surface to put the deck on. Yep. And the rest is picked up by the rock in the ground. And when you love to build where there was like solid bedrock. Yeah. You know, you could just, all right. like you're out in Vancouver or Victoria and it's just solid rock yep. there, right? You just scrape away the grass and yeah, <laughs> move a little grass and then bolt down a, some sort of anchor, right? Yep. What comes to mind is a Simpson ABA 6Z, right? Z yep. or whatever. There, That's an American Canadian one. The Z and Z. Z and Z. Yeah, for, for sure. sure it is. So, so concrete piles, the pros and cons are going to depend on the market. So pros are... Done properly, they're extremely effective. They're effective against frost and they're effective at, you know, holding the weight, like loads and whatnot. Um, good lateral connection, they're going to give you a good wind lift. They're positive connection to the ground. Those things are all great. In some markets, they would be cost effective. So if you only need one foot of concrete, well, that's a bag. That's $8. Yep. Right? Like it's cheap. Um, cons being is it again, the con depends on where you are, but it can be labor intensive. Yep. Um, the cons if you're down in a frost free zone are fairly minimal. You don't need to go that deep. It's not that much work. It's not that much cost, whatever. They're a great option down there. Yep. Or if you're in a place where you said there's like a lot of bedrock or hard, you know, bearing soils, whatever that you don't need to go deep. Great. They're perfect. There's probably no reason to look elsewhere. Just keep using concrete. Yep. Where these really have cons is in markets like ours where a, you've got clay soils, B, you've got deep frost, and C, you've got, like, I don't know what C was going to be. C was, like, the cost is just, like, how much concrete you actually need to fill a hole that's 18 feet deep or 14 feet deep or whatever. Yeah. So now, all of a sudden, your cost to fill that hole with concrete is, like, $300 of concrete. Yeah. Plus, you've got to pay somebody to do it because you're not going to dig that hole yourself. So now you're almost yeah, yeah. 500 bucks a pile. It gets close to that, right? Yeah. Lots of guys will tell you... So locally, this is speaking locally, lots of people will tell us, well, I can drill a hole for $110. That's a nine foot hole. Yeah. That's not 18 feet deep yeah. for sure. Right. So they undersell the, the cost of how much the hole is going to cost. Uh, if you do get a hole dug to the right depth, etc., cetera, uh, you're going to phone somebody, you're going to phone a company to come for us, it's Lafarge, you know, Syndicate. It's, it's a it's a cement company. Yeah, they have a truck loaded with cement. You're going to get charged with small batch order. Uh, you're going to end up with excess concrete there. You know, you end up pouring some of it out on the ground, and and now you're like you said, you're at five hundred dollars a pile. If you just did the, it costs a hundred dollars to dig the hole. It costs you know eight dollars a yard for concrete. Each piece of rebar is, you know, $5. It's like, it doesn't sound like much, but when you're done and everything, like the dust settles, you've paid somebody to haul this material away. You've poured out a third of what you had to order for concrete. You're $500 all day long. Yep. So, yep. and then the other con is that you can't build on it till tomorrow, at least. Oh yeah. If not the day after. Right? So what does so. it take to cure, right? Somebody, somebody told me one time it's 21 days. Yeah. To cure concrete? Yeah. So for sure you don't have to wait that long, but I know I never did it 
within a week. Like if I did piles, it was like, I'll see you in a week. Yeah. I'll be back. Right. Yeah. I'm going to go knock this other one out that I've done on other piles. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So pros, they're proper. They're give you a good connection, good bearing. They're approved everywhere. Easy to get passed through cons yeah. being in some markets cost. And if they're not done properly, they, they're not effective. Yeah. You know, here, if you pour a four foot deep pile, it's just going to move with the frost and the ground. It's so yeah. whatever. You've just wasted your money and the effort. Labor so, intensive, messy. Can't work on them right away. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. There's a reason why we have become big fans of the next option on our list, yeah. which is helical piles. And these are probably relatively unknown still in some markets, maybe because they're A, they don't have franchises set up there yet. B, the reason they're not franchises is because they're in a market where concrete still makes more sense cost-wise because you don't need a deep pile. But helical, here's another one. Is it helical or helical? Mm. I like to say helical because of helix. But helical, helicopter, there's a there's an argument for both. Hella good pile. It's a I'll, hella, go with, it's a I'll, hella good, I'll go with <laughs> helical. <laughs> hella good pile. So what these are is, they, these come in different sizes and shapes and whatnot. The ones we get here are 10 feet. I know in Ontario, they use seven foot piles. I know in other markets, they don't go as deep because the nice thing about these is that you just use the length of rod that you need. If you need to go deeper, like the guys we use here, they have the, the standard stock pile is 10 feet long, but if you need to go deeper, you throw an extension on and you keep going. You can go 40 feet deep. You can go 80 feet deep if you need to. Um, For a deck, you probably never have to do that. But for some commercial buildings or large, you know, large loads, they've had to go. Our installer said he's had to go 40, 50 feet deep on these things before. Um, So the nice thing about these is that the cost is comparable to concrete or cheaper in our market, but more expensive if you don't have to do a deep pile. The average cost around in our market's around $300 Canadian. So in the States, you're probably gonna find them for 200, 250. Now that depends on the size. That's for your average 10 inch helix with a you know, two and three eighths pipe. If you have to beef up to a three and a half inch pipe, which some engineers refuse to work with anything but, or a 12 inch disc or a 16 inch disc or whatever, you know, there's obviously a lot of fluctuation from where it could be, but most installers are using, at least in this area, are using the 10 inch disc on a two and three eighths pipe, 10 feet deep. I play hockey with Kurt on Wednesday night and I'm going to talk to him about that. Does he listen to this podcast? He doesn't, but I'm going to tell him to because he's going to know. Yeah, because I'll tell him I'm going to call him out on this one. So we just did those piles out at Climbs uh, farm just outside of town and he's calling for 16 inch discs with a three and a half inch pipe, 13 feet deep. So we're putting an extension on there. Like those things are, they're way over engineered for what we're putting on that deck, right? We're, we're yeah. putting a PVC it's deck a fence. Yeah. It's like, a, <laughs> yeah, it's a two by 10 deck, 12 inch on center, thousand square feet with PVC on top. And he's calling for a 16 inch disc, three and a half inch pipe. It's like, okay. Yeah. But anyways, so that's, that's one of the drawbacks. That's of an these engineer, things. right? Yeah. That's one of the drawbacks <clears throat> of the helical piles is in some markets, they're helical, 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 hella good pile. In some markets, they're very accepted. The the permitting department is familiar with them. They like them. They approve them, no problem. In other markets, they're not as familiar, so you need to bring your engineer documents from or get engineering done. Uh, in other markets, they might just say, no, we don't, that's not approved here. So that's one drawback of these things. But the major, major benefits of these things are they install quick, five minutes from the time you start driving that pile in to the time it's in. Yeah. And once it's in, <laughs> you're ready to build. And there's no mess. 
So it displaces as much dirt as an ant before a rainstorm. Like <laughs> the mound of dirt afterwards, you step it down on your foot and you're done. Yep. It goes in quick. It doesn't make a mess. There's no dirt to worry about moving around afterwards. And you can build on it immediately. Those three things alone are extremely, extremely valuable pros for these. So things. similar to the Pilex, one that you twist in by hand, only just heavier duty, right? Bigger disc at the bottom so you can start yeah. to carry some weight. Yeah. Bigger pipe. To support it so you don't have to worry about you know that thing buckling at the five foot mark or four foot mark down yeah. underneath the ground right so um you can choose adjustable. a variety of toppers yeah, on top the of tops it. are adjustable yeah. right you can choose like four by four toppers or six by six or flat tops l shape u shapes whatever right yep you can get different welded underpinning like you can these things aren't just for decks these are for any structural foundation yeah i think mike said he did a, a solar field Right? He did, yeah. So, yeah. you know, the guy's running them into the ground and then they're putting solar panels on them. Yeah. So, yeah. So they are the bee's knees as far as I'm concerned, especially in... Mar now, these are a little bit trickier in markets where we talked about earlier about having a lot of bedrock or rocky soils or whatever, because that's the most common question is how do you get around a rock? It's like, well... If it's a small rock, they can actually guide the pile around it quite well and directionally kind of bore these things into where they need to go. But if you've got a lot of rocks on the ground or solid, you know, granite below you, it's not going to go through that. So there are some drawbacks for some areas. I think our area where we have nothing but clay in the ground and the rocks are few and far between, these things are ideal and your frost depth. Because that's the other thing about these is that these all you do have to do is get a little bit below the frost depth yeah just because clear the frost line. just clear the frost line because that that helix at the bottom is anchoring itself it's, it works like a boat anchor it basically anchors itself in the ground therefore it can't be pulled up because of the weight of all the ground on top of it and it can't be pushed down it can't push down without twisting and so therefore if you can't twist it it drives in hydraulically i guess we should say too it screws into the ground yeah like a giant screw hydraulically on machines so these are not hand drive ones these are you need clearance to get into the backyard to drive these things but depending on the franchise you look at they can get into pretty small areas but um i mean what more can you ask for it's quick it's simple it's easy you can build right away those are some pretty solid benefits yeah done again so we have a question here from the Instagram live chat from Dunning and Decking saying, how's the rust protection? Are they specially coated? So the it, it's going to depend on the franchise you're looking at or where you're getting them made. Most of them are galvanized, like hot dip galvanized coated. So they're galvanized to prevent rusting. Most of them... So that's the concern that some engineers have is that these things are going to rust out in the ground. And what a lot of these franchises and companies are saying is, well, no, we've got engineering that says the galvanized coating is thick enough and sufficient enough that it's not scraping off. Plus, in order for something to oxidize and rust, it needs to have oxygen and these things are baked into the ground and it's gonna take 70 years for them to begin rusting. So it's a non-issue is what most of them are saying. Can they rust? Sure, they're steel. Um, they're not stainless. I think you can get stainless ones. Holy. God, I can't imagine how much those are. But um, I heard you last, was it last week you were talking about the camo fasteners? Yeah. And so Eric, my good buddy Eric from Montreal yep. sends out a, a message to you and was asking about the price of those stainless steel screws. Mm. I remember when you bought those. Yeah. <laughs> you just ordered them and then I gave you the invoices. You're like, what is this? Yeah. Stainless steel of a deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was awesome. The store was, we did great on that oh, one. Oh boy. Yeah. So, those are tough. Anyways, if you stainless, stainless anything. Yeah. Stainless steel anything is, it immediately puts. Yeah, whatever, 30% on top of that, right? Yeah. So, or so more. 
So yeah, these things are completely impervious to frost. They work better than a concrete pile for frost. They won't jack out of the ground. They're when they're in, they're in for good. And yep. so, if you get them wrong, you can back them out. Another great thing. So if you put them in the right. wrong spot, but for whatever reason, or if you hit something, you need to move it. You just back it out. Hypothetically you speaking, if you misread a set of blueprints <laughs> and the piles went in one foot six inches uh, south of where they were supposed to go, you could just call the guy back. He'd come back two weeks later and you could back them out, move them over the one foot six. Yeah, that would never happen to an experienced builder who knows how to read blueprints, but I'm just saying that like if it was a guy who didn't. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. I didn't put that one on the stories. <laughs> I just, on the stories, I just showed the initial install and then uh, not shown on the stories was the time that Mike and I went back and moved those piles. Yeah, but they're in the right spot now. They're not nearly as cool to watch going in the second time. No, right? No, they're only cool the first time. Anyway, the only con to these things, really the only real con is cost. And it's not really a con if you're already doing a proper pile. It's only a con against these other cheap options we've talked about, which aren't real piles to begin with, right? So other than that, I mean, you've got to bring some machinery into your backyard. So if your yard's pristinely landscaped and whatever, then maybe it causes a bit of a mess back there. But there's ways to alleviate that. Like access is only the real thing to worry about aside from cost yeah if you can get through a gate right what do we have a 42 inch kind of that's like our guy's looking for a sweet spot of more than 42 yeah he can get through less than that and if it is say three feet then we can talk to another guy who's he has a smaller sort of ride behind machine and he can get into a a two foot opening and and so we've used both guys both piles are great you know, so one, if you're, we just have a, we have a great relationship with the one guy, so that's why yeah. we use those. So if you're looking, whoops, if you're looking for more information about these piles in your area, there's a few franchises out there that seem to really dominate the market. Those are Post Tech. That's the one we use quite a bit. P O S T E C H. They're a Canadian company, but they have franchises all over North America. Based um, out of Montreal, yeah. Right? Techno Metal Post. Techno Metal Post, T-E-C-H-N-O, Metal Post. Another big franchise, I believe also Canadian out of Ontario or Quebec. Montreal, I heard they're across the street from them. Seriously. That's what I heard, right? I I think when I was talking to Mike, he said that you can see the Techno Metal Post office from the Post Tech office. So that makes for a good coffee break, (laughs) hey? Uh, another big one that's kind of sprung up is Goliath Tech. So yeah. Goliath Tech, um, like all three are great. If you go to their websites, they'll tell you why each other's is not good and sucks and everything yep. else. But they're all good. They're all they're all good franchises. And then every city is probably going to have, I shouldn't say every city, but in markets where these are starting to spring up, you're going to have a few guys out there that are ordering their own, making their own. They're not franchised. They're coming out of a steel plant somewhere, but they're not necessarily franchised. Not galvanized, probably. Maybe not, right? But then they're more cost-effective, yeah. right? So, yeah, but if you're looking for something that has like a warranty and it's some engineered backing whatnot, you'll want to stick with the franchise ones or at least ask for some engineered documents or whatever. So those are probably the big three off the top of my head. I can't think of a third one that would be even in the kind of realm of those three those three have really kind of created and dominated the market works like that there's sort of just three right so you got your your big three with the decking and then you got three pile guys right so yeah it's yep there you go they got set up and the first one here was post tech and that's why we have a relationship with that relationship with them because what was it 
let's call it six, seven years ago, they opened up well before you Goliath were, Tech's only been here a couple of years. You were an early adopter of those, right? You Those came out. I remember you telling me about them. Yeah. I was like, I don't know, man. Concrete, right? Like, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. tried and true. And you're like, no, no, no. They're, like, they're quick. And so I did one. Yeah. And... Yeah, man, I never looked back. They're Just, game changers. Like for teching, they're they're absolute game changers. Yeah. So, hopefully, we've endorsed them enough on this podcast that one or all three of them come chasing us down now, wanting to sponsor the show and fill our pockets with lots of money. Yeah. And we'll keep promoting them. Yeah, we might even say their names a couple more times. <laughs> a couple more right? times, even yeah. So, so that was a good chat. I think um, it was an important one to have. And yeah. I think uh, hopefully the listeners got some value out of this. And if there's any questions at all, of course, you know where to find us. Where are we at for time? Do we want to wrap it up? We're at 48 minutes. So, oh, that's, yeah, that's a long time. Somehow we managed to. I was just going to say like really quick that the screw pile, yes, it is more expensive. Yes, it is around the 300 to 350 versus a, a pad that's on top for $5. $35, sorry, you do that, the adjustable on-ground support. I've told people this time and time again, just put a cedar deck on top and do the foundation right. And in five years from now, you can go back, remove the railing, right? Pull that off, change your deck boards out, put down a composite deck board, put your railing back on. If it's a cost, you know, if you're not doing it because of cost. I I truly believe that a screw pile or a concrete pile is the way to go to build your deck to get that thing started. You yeah. just can't do that the second time. That's the mistake a lot of people make is they want to spend the money on the things that you see that are pretty, right? Yeah. So they cheap out, they, they get want the lights. cheaper foundation, but they spend a bunch of money on the decking. Or lighting. Or lighting or, or whatever, right? topless rail. Yeah. And it's like, man, your deck is going to move all over the place. Don't worry about that topless rail. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyways. So again, as we mentioned, refer to your building permit office and codes in your area because every area is a little bit different, whether they're going to allow these different types in here and when they'll allow them and so on and so forth. Check the engineer reports on all of these options that we talked about on their websites. And if there's any questions about them, um, probably best just to contact the company that you're looking at because they'll be able to give you the real answers. But if it's kind of more superficial things, certainly send us a message and we can help answer those as well. If you're not following us on Instagram already, please do. At the Ultimate Deck Shop is our main account, and also at the Shane Chapman account is my personal account. I'm having a peek at both of those all the time, so you can get a hold of us either way. If you haven't yet tuned into the Ultimate Deck Show on YouTube, yeah, what are you waiting for? <laughs> it's the best entertainment. Like this show should be on Netflix, I think. You're biased, I think. I, don't I, took, <laughs> I took the last two episodes off, but I'll be back. And uh, maybe yeah. they just missed the, the blowout, right? Maybe. Yeah. The hair will make a, a comeback on the next show. No, I cut it off. It's I, gone. I, eh? I had to. It's gone. Right? Okay. Yeah. I couldn't maintain it. I didn't have a blow dryer, so yeah. I had to get rid of it. Anyway, it, it, the, the Ultimate Deck Show is a YouTube show that we're doing now. We've got a few episodes out there. It's great because you can actually see us and not just listen to us because even though we're faces made for radio, there's some things that are just better suited for visuals. Yeah. Like we've been showing everybody the lineups from everybody's decking for 2019. So if you're curious about what Trex boards are out there for next year or Timber Tech or whatever, watch the show because we go through every single one of them and tell you the pros and cons of each board. You can see the colors. Like It's, it's good stuff. Yeah. Plus, if you're lucky... We'll pick up some instruments and play some tunes for you. Oh, yeah. 
Not me. Not you. Anyway, thanks for tuning in again, everybody. Until next time, take care. <laughs>